All right. Well, we've made it through the first week of 2022. We are now into the second week, and uh, you probably need to start getting prepared for Christmas because you'll, it'll be here before you know it. And if that depresses you, I'm really sorry, but it's amazing how fast time is flying, and uh, we are in the year 2022 already. So we are going to continue our journey, our journey through Scripture. And in some ways, this seems to be going by pretty quickly. I hope that you have enjoyed it. We've only been doing this for uh, four, four months or so, four or five months. And uh, we are into Second Samuel. Uh, my name is Philip Thomas. I'm pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. And today's episode of our journey through Scripture, uh, we're going to look at Second Samuel chapters 1 through 7. So 2 Samuel 1 through 7, and also read Psalm 18 as well. So as we left off in 1 Samuel chapter 31, we saw that Saul's life comes to a, a tragic uh, end, and uh, and he is killed. And, and remember, he's wounded, his uh, sons have uh, already been killed, and he's not able to take his own life, so he has his servant uh, um, kill him, basically finish him off. Um, and so that's kind of where we we left off. So as you start reading, you'll see in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 1, uh, David gets the report of Saul's death. And, and this, you know, this does, there's some cultural issues here that we kind of wonder about, uh, but it shows the heart of David, that David did not hate his enemy Saul. Um, he, he, recognized who Saul was. He recognized that God had called him, um, but but yet he also had to deal with Saul's evil actions towards him. So he had to protect himself, and he had to, to flee, and it was a difficult time. Um, but David still uh, also had some pity and, and empathy for Saul as well. And so David gets the, the word, and he goes into mourning. He also um, <laughs> he puts to death the uh, Saul's little sidekick who ended up uh, finishing Finishing him off, um, saying that you you are not to take that blood into your own hands. Um, I'm going to say that's probably a cultural thing that was probably pretty normal to happen, uh, but it's still we kind of wonder, well, why would you do that? But that's what happened, um, and so so David is now mourning uh, for Saul, um, and he he wants the uh, the the country to mourn as well. And if you want to, I encourage you, you, you have the song of the bow where, where, uh, he talks about Saul and Jonathan specifically, um, and kind of celebrates them for the good that they, that they did. Um, and at the same time, we also know David remembered the bad as well. And if you'll re- uh, read Psalm 18, kind of do this at, at this time. Uh, again, remember the Psalms are going to be kind of interspersed here. We, we don't know exactly, but if we can attach them to a, a certain time period, sometimes that gives us a little bit more insight into the Psalm. Well, Psalm 18 um, is uh, David, and he is, he's talking about how the Lord delivered him from the hand of Saul. And, uh, and so I encourage you to, to read through that. Some of the things that jumped out to me, uh, verses 16 through 19 of Psalm 18, he says, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for those who were strong, too strong for me. They confronted me all uh, in, in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my 
my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Right? David recognized that that his his challenges that Saul was too strong for him. That that the challenges that he faced was too small for him. But he he is remembering and celebrating how God brought him to uh, to the the bright, wide open place. Right? How how he helped him overcome that. I, I think that's encouraging uh, for us that we do realize that sometimes uh, we're going to feel like things are too big for us, and they they are, but they're not too big for God. Uh, verses 28 through 30 says, For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. So, you know, I, I, again, this, this idea that David is recognizing that there are times that we are in darkness, that we feel that we are in darkness, but that God brings light, that, that God is, is our shield, that he goes before us. And uh, so Psalm 18 is, is about uh, how uh, God helped David um, overcome the, the challenges that Saul brought upon him. So now we continue on, go back to 2 Samuel uh, and in chapter 2. So now we begin the transition, um, you know, the transition from Saul to David. Many times we think of, um, well, you know, once Saul died, then it was naturally it was going to be David who took the throne because that's the way it was supposed to be. Well, that's actually not the way it normally works throughout history. Um, normally you don't have just some random kid from a different line um, that because a priest said he was going to be the next king, that he just naturally steps into that role. Uh, that's not normal. And this is the first transfer of power that Israel has ever had. So you had Saul uh, being the first uh, king, which... I, God didn't really want them to have a king. Remember, the people said that they wanted a king, um, and so God gave them a king. Um, and now Saul dies, and it's like, well, what do we do now? Uh, we've never done this before. Um, well, God has already provided a way for that. He He wants David to be a king. Um, it's similar to in the time of the judges. Uh, God would rise, uh, raise up a leader uh, and a judge when the time called for it, and they would be from different families. It wasn't like from one, one uh, you know, kind of monarchy, if you will. And, and so what we have here is we have some people that are like, well, you know, Saul was the first king, so now it should be his, the, the, his line. Uh, and he, he had a son but by the name of uh, Ishbosheth. Um, man, that's going to be a mouthful. I'm going to butcher that all through this uh, podcast. Um, and, and so we start having this competition now and, and political intrigue between David and the supporters of David and Ishbosheth. And, you know, so David, he is anointed king of Judah. So Judah, which is a very large tribe, um, is, uh, anoints David as their king and they accept David. Uh, Joab, uh, is, uh, uh, David's commander. And so there, David has an army. Uh, but because Ishbosheth, uh, he is actually made king of Israel. So some of the northern, uh, territories and, and tribes. 
And so he has actually um, reigns over Israel for two years. Um, and, and, and so there's a, a civil war basically going on to see who's going to be the next king. You know, again, th- this kind of stuff is, is interesting to me because it, it shows that this is, that God is working through this people group in real history. Right. These are not just fictitious things. So it, it, it works out in, in ways that we would have expected. Like if you just had a random country that had a king die, there would many times there was a power struggle between different families that would lead to, to war and civil war. Well, you have some of that here, you know, because the, the people are still not united fully under God. Um, Saul definitely didn't encourage that. And so you had some people that just said, well, let's just go with his son. And uh, then you had those said, no, God has anointed David. Um, and, and so there's this, this battle that begins. And uh, so you have a, a battle and two of the main characters are Joab and Abner. Uh, Joab is the commander of David's armies. Abner is the commander of Saul's armies. And now he's the commander of, uh, Ishbosheth. Well, uh, it's kind of an interesting there in chapter two. Uh, they're chasing Abner. Um, and Joab and his two brothers are chasing him. Well, one of, uh, Joab's brothers is faster than the other. It specifically says that his name is Ashel, and he catches up with Abner. And Abner says, uh, "Do you really want to do this? Basically, you're not going to be able to take me." And and uh, and uh, Joab's brother uh, uh, Ash- Ashahel. I, who knows? I have no idea. Anyway, he's dead now. So. Abner took him out, and uh, and so Abner killed Joab's brother, uh, and and of course this makes Joab and his brother very angry, um, and and you, it talks about the battle that you have here, um, and then in chapter three uh, you start to see a, a change in the the political. Uh, momentum and some intrigue. So Ishbosheth kind of accuses Abner of trying to take power by sleeping with Saul's concubines, which it would have been a sign of him trying to take power. One thing that a king did whenever he overtook another king is that he would assume duties with all the concubines, right? And so by Abner possibly doing this with Saul's concubines, Ishbosheth was like, hey, are you trying to uh, t- basically take power over me? Well, this made Abner really mad, and he uh, he gets very upset, upset at Ishbosheth. And uh, and then he goes to support David, and he begins getting support for David from the people. Um, well, Joab um, doesn't like this, and and uh, David sends uh, Abner away, and Joab uh, sees him, and yeah, Joab and his brother they kill Abner, <laughs> right? So they are paying back um, blood for for blood. And, uh, and David is, is very distraught about this and he actually mourns for Abner and, and he wants, uh, people to know that he is not the one to do this, that it was not the king's intent to kill Abner. Um, and which, which again is, is interesting. It's, it's kind of David's trying to make this, uh, case that, hey, th- 
we, we can do things differently. We don't, it's not just, uh, you know, you, you don't, it, the, the, the bloodlust is, needs to stop. You don't just, uh, kill someone because they killed someone in your family. Um, you know, especially in the con, uh, in the context of war. Uh, that's something that shouldn't have been done, but Joab did that. And then we get to chapter four and, and we see, uh, Ishbosheth, who now he's obviously losing a lot of power. Uh, anyway, the political winds have shifted towards David. And so there's two of, uh, um, Saul's captains of the troop. Um, they actually murder, uh, Ishbosheth in his bed. Interestingly, they go and they tell David and say, Hey, Ishbosheth is dead. And David's like, dude, I killed the guy who followed Saul's orders and killed him. What do you think I'm going to do to you whenever you murdered uh, Ishbosheth in his bed? Right. And he, he, he says, uh, how much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his bed? Therefore, shall I not require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth? That. So that is what, what he did. But that ends uh, Ishbosheth, and th- then David becomes ruler over all of Israel. Uh, just real quickly there in uh, chap- verse 4 uh, of chapter 4, we are introduced to a kid named Mephibosheth. That is Jonathan's son, and he is lame uh, because of a of an accident. He was dropped uh, as a as a child, so he is he is lame. He is Jonathan's son, and he will come into the picture later as well. So the, in chapter five, um, it talks about uh, David taking. Uh, uh, taking uh, over over all of Israel, uh, verse thirteen it says, and David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem. So now David has come to Jerusalem. Uh, he's taken uh, concubines again. This is not prescribed by God. This is never um, uh, never seen as a good thing by God. This is not blessed by God. In fact, this causes all kinds of problems. But that was the cultural. Uh, thing and they were giving in to culture rather than following God. All right. But that doesn't mean that God just ejected them and quit using them. Um, he still worked through David, but David, David would have major consequences because of the choices that he would make. Um, it talks about uh, David defeating the Philistines. Uh, and then we have chapter six that talks about the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, and they we're, we're going to talk more about that uh, in uh, Chronicles um, uh, next uh, on Thursday, actually. But, uh, but interesting, you have uh, them trying to move the Ark of the Covenant uh, up, but um, they're, they're not doing it pro- properly, and a guy touches it, and he dies, and it scares everyone to death. It scares David to death, so they leave it at the house of a guy named Obed-Edom. Uh, Obed-Edom really benefits from that. Things start going well for his family because the, the Ark of the Covenant is there, and then finally David does it the right way, and he brings the uh, Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, and this is where he is dancing. And you, you may have heard that there was a time where Dan, uh, David danced um, naked before the Lord. It just says he took off his cloak. We don't know for sure what level of nakedness David was, but uh, he said, I will get be even more undignified than this, right? Because he is uh, praising God. And, and his wife, Saul's daughter, uh, Michael, disapproved uh, at how David was worshiping God. And David, David, 
did not care. And uh, it's kind of a neat thing. We'll talk a little bit more about it uh, next next time. Then we have uh, chapter 7 gives in to uh, David and the prophet uh, Nathan um, and, and priest Nathan. Uh, David wants to build the temple. And and Nathan at first says, sure, go ahead, build the temple. And then uh, God speaks to Nathan and says, no, I don't want David to build the temple. But but he does give David a, a pretty strong covenant. He says, uh, he shall build a house for my name. And I will, uh, uh, he said, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you, and your throne shall be established forever. So he makes an amazing promise to David, but David will not be the one to build the temple. Um, And David responds, I love this, says, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is the, is my house that you have brought me this far? Uh, and then he ends, Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Um, you know, David is recognizing in this, this humility that David has, that he recognizes what God has done for him uh, is, is really, really pretty instructive and shows us a, a heart that we need to have as well. All right, so for Tuesday, uh, for Thursday, we are going to be looking at, uh, and remember, we're going through chronologically uh, the best that we can. So we're going to skip ahead to First Chronicles chapters nine through fifteen. All right, First Chronicles nine through fifteen, and and it's going to repeat some of this stuff, but it brings out some some different things. So on Thursday, read First Chronicles nine through fifteen. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you then.